Well, good morning, folks. Today we continue in our reading through our careful reading through the Gospel of Mark. We arrive at a passage that I think is very familiar to you. I would imagine uh, our group has uh, heard this uh, re- this uh, recounting of the the story, the parable of the the sowing of the seeds, uh, countless times. And uh, and, I, and my hope today is that we will begin to hear it in a in a new way. I'm going to ask you today to take to listen to it from a perhaps a different seat in the audience uh, as you imagine, as we imagine ourselves hearing Jesus tell this story uh, and and, uh, and hear it in a way that uh, perhaps isn't uh, the way you've heard it before. Uh, today, I think the, the lesson that we're uh, told to hear, in fact, uh, is, is about something different, less about uh, us and our own personal choices to follow Jesus, and a story about patience patience as we help Jesus sow the seeds of the kingdom. So let's get into that. And the first uh, point that I wanted to make is just a reminder of where we left off last week in the Gospel of Mark as we went through chapter three. And I made a point about uh, domination systems. As you you recall, I've been making the point that we have actually two things uh, that Jesus is is, uh, helping uh, us to conquer, that Jesus is conquering. And we, when we celebrate the victory of Easter, we celebrate Jesus's uh, victory uh, over both our own personal sin and uh, what it means to us and in, in the obstacle that it is for us, as well as Jesus's victory over uh, what, what Paul calls the powers and principalities. And so last week we talked about how Jesus had bound the strong man, the strong man being the devil. Uh, that's what the story that occurs in chapter three. I just want to remind you of the point there as sort of a, a stepping off point that I made at the conclusion of, of, uh, of, of our conversation. And that is that, uh, you know, what is, when we think about what is Paul referring to when he speaks of a power, you know, a power or the principalities, or when we talk about the devil or something that's demonic, he's talking about one of those things that is a created good because all that is created by God is good. But yet we experience some things that are created things that are not good, that are less than good, and then some that are, in fact, evil. And, and why is that so? And so the, the language we use of, of things being demonic or being of the devil or, or we, when we, we speak of Satan and his dominions, we're, we're describing those created things that we experience that, that have a, almost a spiritual presence. And it's a negative spiritual presence because they have... Um, they, have, they no longer pursue their vocation, which was intended by God for the good. And instead, of, they've made their own interests the highest good. And so that's what we mean. And I, and I pointed out that our task as the people who are Christ followers, who pledged our lives to carrying on his ministry on earth, of being his living hands of uh, the, the living hands of, of Christ in the world. It, it, our task is to both unmask idolatry as well as to restore, to rehabilitate those, those created things so that uh, they are reoriented towards the, the good that God has always intended them to create, the blessings that God has always created them to be. And so 
the story we've been talking about before uh, in, these, in, the, in the Gospel of Mark is how Jesus is enabling us, uh, restoring us, restoring our eyes, restoring our hearing, and giving us the capacity to listen to God's word, be transformed by God's word. So we have this capacity to relate to one another uh, in fellowship with God and, and each other. Uh, and so therefore to pursue a life that is holy. So that's where we have been. Now, the problem is, as we go throughout life, we sometimes find ourselves all wrapped up in these in the consequences of these domination systems that we experience as, as the dominion of Satan. Uh, and when we're trapped in those, we despair and we lose patience along the way. So let's let's uh, talk about uh, an example of that. Uh, I, I was I was. Uh, uh, on Facebook, unfortunately, recently, and one of the things that assaulted my eyes was uh, an argument among some folks. Uh, they were they were publishing this uh, this thing about uh, this this dichotomy. I call it a dichotomy uh, between freedom and equality, and that all successful cultures choose freedom over equality. And their point, of course, was a political one. Uh, they were speaking into our current debates about uh, uh, dealing with our plutocracy in our nation and the power distribution in our, our nation. And they're saying the most important thing is to optimize the freedom of all. And it, but and if we focus on providing, you know, making a, the, you know an equal society for all, well, then our society is doomed to failure. That's their thing. I, I, I call it a false dichotomy. That's not really the point, but it got me thinking about some conversations uh, that I had long ago with my father, where uh, there was this this uh, uh, a, a dichotomy posed, uh, between, you know, with regard to how I treated my employees, and my dad was raised uh, in a different world than I, uh, a world in, in which uh, we had the, the the lessons of you know of, of Wagner in 1900s, uh, studying the sociology of of this new thing called a corporation, and then there's this this uh, prescription for the way you managed employees uh, as though they were all factory workers, even in uh, my dad's setting, which was he was managing a call center. My dad's complaint to me uh, as we were having a conversation was he, he said, son, I, I just don't think you know what you're doing here. Uh, your employee turnover rate is way too low. In other words, he was saying I was I was in our conversation. I was telling him about all these things that I was doing to retain my employees that I had for my for my business, and it, and he was saying, no, no, you're you're focusing on the wrong thing. You need to manage it low. You don't want them to hang around because if if they hang around, if you make it too too desirable of a job, then they're going to hang around, and you're going to have to pay them benefits. And I say that because that was part of the culture in which the business culture in, you know, of his time, a way of seeing, uh, particularly in America, uh, the employee. And uh, uh, it's, it's something that uh, is, is part of what I mean by the systems that we created that are intended for the good that become distorted. Uh, and they, they tend to, and they move towards the optimization of themselves. And in this case, we, we get this notion that we hear so often, what's the purpose of a business? We would ask ourselves what the purpose of a business. Many would say, well, and my father would have said, the purpose of a business is to make profits, to maximize profits. And, uh, and and so and if you and if you pursue that kind of thinking, well, then you do get to, you know, ideas like, well, you, you need to 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 ensure employees don't stick around uh, too long or else you'll pay them. You'll have to pay them benefits, uh, which was the thinking of his time. Um, however, 
if, if you pursue that thinking, what you end up doing is is uh, uh, seeing our fellow humans as mere objects, as objects to be manipulated on a spreadsheet, as objects that are, are really not human, but simply cells on a spreadsheet. And so when we when we reach that point, which is a point I think that we are in our society today, as we uh, as as in our cultures, we struggle with notions of freedom and equality. Um, we we can name it. I think that we uh, have have taken something that is intended to good our free market system, and we have turned it upside down when we say that its purposes are to produce profits. Because the purpose of a of any created thing is to be a blessing. The purpose of a business is not to maximize the the the, the, the profits for the owners. No, the purpose of a business is to be a vehicle by which all the folks gathered into uh, the, the, the shared creation of goods are to produce goods that bless God's people, uh, to, 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 to create extraordinary products that we experience as blessings. And profits have a role, but the role of profits are to be the fuel that make, you know, like fueled on a gas tank that let that engine run. So the purpose isn't to maximize the fuel. The purpose is to ensure you have enough fuel, certainly, as a means to the end of creating extraordinary blessings that bless all the world. And uh, so that's the kind of conversation I had with my father. And so, so that's when I talk about dom domination systems, I'm talking about domination systems that begin with uh, us getting confused about the means and the ends, and then in falling into an idolatry that, that causes a, a, a something that God intended for the good to become demonic, such that it dehumanizes. Now, when we get trapped in systems like that, we can fall into despair. And I mentioned an example uh, a couple of weeks ago about uh, the story in the state of Mississippi. And it comes to mind, uh, you, one of our great American heroes uh, of the civil rights movement was a guy named Robert Moses. He didn't he didn't march with Martin Luther King. He was actually doing it his own way in a different way. He was a he was a philosophically trained Harvard grad who went down to Mississippi and he said the way we're going to change things is to empower people to have a voice. And the way we're going to give them a voice is by get them to vote. It turned out, though, to, to be able to vote, you have to register to vote. And to register to vote, you have to be approved for registration of the vote. And if you do that, you have to go before someone who has power over you. And then you get into these domination systems that uh, cause people to live in fear. And so he had a task of getting folks to register to vote down in Mississippi that was quite challenging because folks were afraid. They were afraid to go challenge Satan. They were afraid to go challenge the devil because they knew what would happen and what they thought would happen did happen. They were uh, they were beaten. Uh, they were shot. Uh, they had bombs um, blowing up in their houses. And Robert Moses had, had, had quite a great task. And eventually they reached a point uh, where they were so trapped in despair. There were those who said, you know, uh, I don't think this is the way we should go. I think we should uh, simply not try to overturn this system. That was one group. Another group said, you know what, this this peaceful way of registering to vote, this nonviolent way of simply trying to equip us with a voice will never work. What we need to do is to do what uh, the white men of our, uh, in our society are doing. We need to pick up arms, raise up arms and, uh, and, and simply demand a voice the way they are demanding that we have no voice. And of course, Robert Moses famously 
continuously said, no, no, have faith. We must not despair. We must not lose patience. We must trust that if we follow the Lord's way, he preached, that then things will come to the good. But we have this tendency, and it's not just in these systems like this political system I mentioned. It also happens in our family systems. Those two were created by God. Those two are blessed by God, by, by wonderful mothers and hopefully wonderful fathers. But not always uh, is that true. Uh, not all of us have the, the blessing of growing up with wonderful mothers the way uh, my kids do. Uh, and uh, they, 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 in the way I did. And, and, and so they, and it's not uncommon for us to find ourselves entrapped in systems of domination within our families, whether it's with an abusive husband or a abusive wife or, or a mother, our father, our sibling who, uh, who, uh, abuses us. And so we can feel trapped in despair and not knowing what to do. And we can lose patience and say, you know what, I need to, I need to, uh, move towards coercion. I need to get off of the path of the way of love uh, and forget about this path of forgiveness and instead take them on and cause them to uh, relate to me in the way I choose to be uh, treated. Uh, and, and so we, we, we lose patience. That's just simply the way things are. And into this, we have Jesus preaching. So uh, this story about the sowing of the seeds. And I wanted to ask you to imagine as you, as we remember this story, um, that uh, Jesus is preaching to a group of people uh, who are like those people in Mississippi who who had been uh, voiceless. Uh, you know, these were the people of the land we've been talking about. They uh, they have uh, they they exist within the framework of one of these domination systems, that, and the players in that domination system, you know, include the Roman Empire, the scribes of the Pharisees, the scribes of the Sadducees down in Jerusalem, who who Jesus has just finished. Um, in engaging uh, who have who have accused him of blasphemy and who said that he's to be arrested and of course the penalty for blasphemy is death and so so they are afraid he's been he's been getting everybody all excited and filled with hope and now they see now he's in trouble and they're getting all this pushback from the authorities uh and and he gathers them together and he goes off in the boat they're all in the boat together and he and he preaches this sermon to them to 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 encourage them to not lose patience. And he makes several points. These are familiar to us. Uh, and the first one that he speaks about is is uh, is about Satan and how that uh, that uh, you can expect Satan to resist the good whenever we try to create it. That Satan, in fact, will keep some of us from and always will keep some of us from responding as we try to set the example of the way. And so he says, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path and the birds came up and ate it. Now, we don't have to guess what Jesus was talking about, because in Mark's gospel, Jesus explains us what he's saying, because he says in his explanation that um, that uh, when the word is simply scattered and the people hear it right away, Satan comes and steals the word that was planted in them, the word that was planted in them. And one of the things I wanted to mention, I wanted, as we imagine Jesus telling this story, remember, he's talking to an agrarian uh, world. He's talking to the people of the land whose, whose everyday life was all about planting soil. So let's talk about how they did it in ancient Israel. Jesus has given us an example. They planted it on the path. So imagine a big field. A field that uh, uh, had been 
you know, gone through the winter, it happened. And so it's time for planting. And before they had planted, uh, there were furrows and, and things. And so you planted their seed on the, on the, on the, uh, the little hills that they had created. And then the furrows would grow all sorts of weeds and thistles and things like that. Uh, and then there would be, uh, over time, there would be the pathways over which people would walk in the field in order to get where they needed to be. And those would become hard, hardened and stuff, such. And so as it came time for them to broadcast, uh, seed, the, the, the sower uh, would uh, not do as we would do today. You know, they wouldn't get a tractor and then just plow the field. No, that came later. They didn't have a, a tractor, uh, but they wouldn't plow the field first. No, what they would do first in this old field uh, was broadcast the seed. And so they would broadcast the seed everywhere in the field. And then having done that, then they would take a broad fork and manually uh turn over the soil, or if they had uh, the, the advantage of animal help, they would have an animal help them pull a plow, or they would pull a plow themselves, and they would plow up that field. So they would scatter the seed everywhere, and then they'd turn over the soil, and then they would put it into the hills and such. And so in this context, they would scatter seed on the path as well, uh, the path between the furrows, and they would scatter it on the furrows, and they would scatter, scatter it uh, all over the place. And so when the word is scattered on the path, and people hear it right away, Satan's going to come and steal the word that was planted in them. Uh, and so this is an idea of you're planting something not on the way. We're planting the word not on the way, or rather Satan's trying to, to get people not be on the way, but rather by the way, to stay alongside and overhearing the word, but not actually uh, getting on the path of the word. Um, so that's one reason that people will will uh, to not not uh, respond to the word positively because they're all caught up in uh, the systems, these demonic systems of, of domination, and so they'll overhear it, but it won't have much traction. Uh, and just expect that Jesus is saying to be a part of the life of of discipleship that you're going to do an awful lot of things and, and just not have much response. But then he also said another obstacle that we have faced that you should expect to face is that the chase will cause some to flee the way. Now, the chase is the word that uh, translates best, the, the, the word that Jesus actually uses. He talks about the trials and the tribulations. Um, he said, other seed fell on the rocky ground where the soil was shallow. They sprouted immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But then the sun came up, scorched the plants, and they dried up because they had no roots. And again, Jesus explains what he means. Uh, he says, when people hear the word, they immediately receive it joyfully. They get all excited. They're jubilant, you know, and they leave. But there's not much depth there. And so as soon as they, you know, hear the word and get excited about it, but they get, you know, pushback from the folks around them, from, from life itself, uh, they experience distress and they fall away. So Jesus, again, is saying, expect that. That is going to happen. That's the nature of planting this crop, which is my word. Don't be, um, don't fall into despair when you see that. That's just going to be a part of the situation. And then Jesus said that uh, affluence is another thing that will lure us away. Uh, and so he says, uh, other seed fell among thorny plants, the thorny plants grew and choked the seeds and they produced nothing. Now, I want you to think for a moment about these thorny plants. These are the these are the seeds that are being planted among the, you know, between the old furrows. Right. And in uh, the thorny plants 
uh, are, the, are those things that grow among the furrows after the, you know, the crop has left, been left fallow. Uh, and, and who are the thorny plants? Well, in this one, there has to be a little bit of Jesus humor here. The thorny plants are the, are the wealthiest people who run the establishment. So the people who heard this, the, the peasants who heard this must have chuckled a bit. Jesus explains, he says, others are like the seeds scattered among those thorny plants. And they hear the word, but the false appeal of wealth, and, the, and he actually uses the word that's translated affluence, the false appeal of affluence, the desire for more things break in and they choke the word. They choke the word. So even though the word has been planted, this word about Jesus's way of love has been planted there tempted away from it. It chokes out that word so that it does not bear fruit. But Jesus says, nonetheless, nonetheless, persevere because the harvest will be abundant. And he talks about the other seeds. So, yeah, you're going to plant it everywhere. You're going to go everywhere. You're not going to discriminate along in the, you know, in the, in the, in your field about, you know, your field, whatever your field of mission is, wherever I'm going to send you, don't, don't discriminate. You share the word with everyone. And somewhere you're going to broadcast that seed into that good soil and it will bear fruit. Upon growing and increasing, the seed produced in one case a yield of 30 to 1, another yield of 60 to 1, another case a yield of 100 to 1. An extraordinarily, you know, uh, abundant uh, harvest. And so, again, Jesus tells us what he's talking about. He says the good soil consists of those who hear the word and embrace it. The word about the way of love, Jesus's way of being, not this violent way, not the way. Remember, in Mark's gospel, not the way of the bandits who are saying, let's take on the Roman Empire. Uh, the soldiers who are now advancing under under General Titus upon upon our community. No, no. Don't, let's not let's not embrace those who are, uh, are 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 violently taking on uh, the Sadducees and in their um, domination of us. No, we we go about this way of love, and when they hear that the, that word bears fruit with this extraordinary abundance that is beyond the dreams of any of these peasants to whom Jesus is speaking. So Jesus calls us to hear this word and recognize that it is not, even though he's speaking in parables, it is not a word that is obscure. It is not a word that is impossible to understand. It's actually very straightforward. His proclamation, his bringing about of justice, the word by which he brings about justice, is not something that is some sort of Gnostic knowledge, secret knowledge that only the Illuminati can understand. The most Basic among us, the least educated among us can understand what it means to walk along the way of love, this way of love that Jesus was going about the land uh, proclaiming this word that was getting him in trouble uh, that takes on those domination systems. And so he says he gives us this other parable. Does anyone bring a lamp in order to put it under a basket or a bed? Shouldn't it be placed on a lampstand? Everything hidden will be revealed and every secret will come out in the open. Pay attention, he says. So important point here is that Jesus' teaching is meant to illuminate. It's meant to reveal. Now, the problem with Jesus' word is that it is inherently polarizing because it takes on these systems that we create that have been distorted 
that uh, that have been meant for the good, but no longer do the good, but rather uh, dehumanize. It takes them on. And if we are part of those systems, if we are the sponsors of those systems, if we're the, the ones who manage those systems, it's offensive to hear the gospel speaking into them, speaking its light into them. And our response to that unveils where our loyalties lay. Will we be among those who are tempted to defend those systems or will we shine the light on those systems and get about the process of rehabilitating them? So Jesus gathers his disciples around in this sermon, this sermon about the, the sowing of the seed. He tells the disciples, this is what I am sending you to do, to share this word, to share this light that unveils these systems of domination and shines the light of God's desire for you upon those systems so that they're exposed to the light that they then if they are evil wither away and that new new things you know grow up uh, in their place and that they are either rehabilitated or wither away and are replaced by new systems and this is what I'm sending you out to do but recognize the world is going to push back Satan is going to push back Satan's dominions are going to push back and our own personal sin is going to get in the way so as you see people responding to you don't despair just know that's part of what I'm sending you to do and be patient and just count on my promise to you. I am inaugurating a new kingdom. I am sending you out to be my ears, my eyes, my hands. And so be patient and know that I'm creating all things new. Folks, as I think about that, I think about our own mission as a, as a church. We, uh, we are uh, a band of the faithful who have heard this word, have protected this word, have tried to share this light. And at times we've felt the despair as, as our numbers have, have uh, grown sparse through the years, through the decades. Uh, and yet we have somehow kept the doors open. We have somehow kept the light burning. We've somehow continued to gather and proclaim this word we have been given to share. I hope we'll hear this word today to us, what we're, you know, both in our own households and as we think together as a community, uh, to be patient, to know that God is with us, that and ultimately this light will shine upon all the world and bring about this, this victory that is our Lord's already over both our sin and over these systems uh, that have no place in his kingdom. Let it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.